from time to time in our services we have folk who are missionaries or representing different missionary organizations that we as a church community encourage and support. Um, and this morning, Gary is going to come up and read to us from, from Numbers chapter 9, representing the Francina Foundation. Um, so Gary, if you want to come up and read um, today's passage for us. Our scripture this morning is taken from Numbers chapter 9, uh, starting at verse 15. It's on page 146 of the Pew Bibles. In our Bibles, this little passage is entitled, The Cloud Above the Tabernacle. On the day of the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony was set up. The cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp, and then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days, or a month, or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. And God will bless the reading of his word to us. Thank you, Gary. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? God, we thank you for that word that Gary has read for us, your word that tells us that you are ever present with your people. That if we keep our eyes on you, we will know when we need to go and when we need to stop. And God, I pray that that will speak into our hearts today. I pray over this message that has been prepared for today, that it will encourage us to be people who follow you where you lead us and to trust in you on the journey that you are taking us. We pray, Lord, for the Francina Foundation, for the work that they do, for the lives that are changed, for the passion of Jesus that they share through their passion for people. I pray that we will be encouraged by their work and be inspired by the change that they bring into their communities as we bring change into our communities. I pray that we will be a church that supports our missionaries in so many different ways. There's a banner behind me that says that the house of the Lord is a, a house of prayer for all the nations. 
So we pray for the work that you are doing in all these nations. Bless our missionaries and bless the organizations that they represent and work with as they work alongside you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I was preparing the sermon this morning and I was reading this passage that Gary read to us about um, this cloud of, of smoke and this pillar of fire, made me think of one of the greatest inventions ever for marriages. Um, one of the best things um, that has ever been invented that, that it is good for a safe and secure marriage and that is, that is the sat-nav. Um, I don't know if you've ever driven with a spouse next to you and you've sat with maps and you've tried to find your way around where you're going. Uh, when Joanne and I first arrived here, we lived in Port Leash down in, in, in the south and um, we often used to go across to Dublin and, and Dublin is a nightmare to drive around as it is, but when we were living there and traveling there, it was around the time the Lewis was being built, the tram was being built through Dublin, so we had a paper map um, that told us that certain roads we could go down uh, and, and the, the roadworks told us otherwise. Uh, and you would never know that a road was a one-way road uh, until you turned down it and realized that actually I can't turn right here, Joanne, find another way to send me, tell me, and oh, the number of arguments that we had in Dublin, we, we do not like Dublin. Um, <laughs> Dublin is a beautiful city, and just in case anybody is watching from Dublin, we love the people of Dublin, but man, trying to drive through Dublin when there's roadworks going on is another story. But sat-navs, sat-navs are wonderful because um, there is somebody telling you where, you where you're going and you know that when you guess, get out of the car, you don't have to continue that relationship um, with, with whoever's been telling you where you should be going uh, beyond, beyond just that time in the car. Um, there, there's a lot of stories that we hear or that you can find online about um, some nightmare ordeals that people have had um, trusting a sat-nav to get them to the place that they want to go. Um, there are stories of, of, of people who have ended up in towns and villages uh, that are in completely different countries uh, to where they wanted to go. So if you're ever traveling to Lille, which I've probably mispronounced, Lille in France, um, be aware that there's a village in Belgium of the same name. Uh, make sure your sat-nav is set to the right country. Um, stories of truck drivers going down narrow lanes that the sat-nav thinks that they could go down, but their truck says otherwise. Uh, and been stuck on bridges. I've even heard of stories of people, and I don't know how they've done this, but, but have, have followed the sat-nav into a river um, that, that the sat-nav thought was just a ford, but turned out to be a river. But, but why they continue until their car is absolutely stuck in the river before realizing that, that maybe this is the wrong route um, they should be taking. Um, terrifying stories. Terrifying stories. Funny stories for us, but maybe not for them. Uh, the story of a person who almost went over the edge of a cliff because the sat-nav told them that the road was continuing even though what was in front of them was a 100-foot drop into the sea below. Um, so while we often very gladly follow our sat-navs, they are not always, always trustworthy. But what we see in this reading from Numbers is that when the people of Israel are traveling through the desert, God is leading them, and he is leading them to a place of promise, and they can trust him. 
The first time that we encounter this cloud of smoke and this pillar of fire is in Exodus 13, when the Israelites leave Egypt um, and this pillar of smoke leads them out of Egypt uh, and, and it also protects them. When, when the, the Egyptian army give chase, it also protects them um, as, as they travel and, and, and start this journey to the promised land. And, and from there on out, this idea of smoke and, and clouds come to represent the presence of God in Scripture. Uh, when, when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai in Exodus 19 uh, and, and he meets with God on the mountain, we, we read that, that the cloud descends upon the mountain and, and that represents God coming down to meet with Moses. When Solomon and the priests dedicate the newly built temple, uh, it, is, it is filled with smoke. In, in 2 Chronicles 7, it says, when Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burnt up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. In the, in the, king, in the 1 Kings chapter 8 version of, of this dedication, we're told that the glorious presence of the Lord took on the form of a thick cloud that filled the temple. And the priests could not continue their service because of the cloud for the glorious presence of the Lord had filled the temple. We know the story of the transfiguration when Jesus goes up the mountain with three of his disciples and he meets there with Moses and Elijah and the cloud descends there again representing the presence of the Lord. And then in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 15, when the temple is rebuilt, once again it is filled with smoke because of God's glory and God's power is present in that temple. And so as the Israelites travel through the desert, they know that God is with them because of these visible symbols of, of, a, of a pillar of cloud and, or of smoke and, and a pillar of fire at night. There's also something that happens in Exodus, in Exodus 33, that is quite important for us to, to be aware of as we think about this passage from Numbers. So, so what has happened in Exodus 32 was that, that Moses had gone up the mountain um, to, to receive the law, to, to meet with God and to receive the law, and he's up there for quite some time. Uh, and, and while he is up there, we, we, we know the story of, of the, um, the people of Israel becoming frustrated and, and with, with how long it's taking and not knowing what's going on, and, and then they build themselves this golden calf that they decide that they're gonna worship, that that's gonna be their God because they can see the calf and the calf is there with them. Um, but, then, but then God sees what is happening. Moses comes down the mountain, sees what is happening and, 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 and God is angry with what's going on there. And, and at this point in Exodus 33, God says to Moses that, that he's not gonna continue traveling with them that he'll send an angel and an angel will lead them, but he's not gonna carry on um, the journey with him through the desert to the promised land because um, he says that because you are a stubborn and rebellious people and if I did travel with you, I would surely destroy you along the way. And so Moses has a choice to make. He has a choice of whether he's gonna continue the journey through the desert, through the wilderness with God or, or without God. 
And Moses responds in Exodus 33, verse 15 and 16. He says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. For your presence presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on earth. This is a significant decision that Moses makes because what Moses is saying um, is that he would rather do things God's way. He would rather follow God's way and risk punishment and and, and risk um, this punishment that will come from time to time than than choose their own path, than than do things their way. They will rather risk the punishment of God uh, and be with God than tried this journey through the desert without God being present. Because when they do things God's way, when they follow God, when they follow his leading through the desert, Moses knows that the outcome will be the promised land. He knows that if they follow God's way, they will receive, inherit the promises of God. In the same way that the shepherd of Psalm 23 leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, Moses knows that God will lead them through the desert to the promised land. Better to be in a place of wilderness with God than without him. Better to be in the desert with God than without him. Better to have the good shepherd leading us through the darkest of valleys than to try and find our way through it on our own. And then that brings us to this place in Numbers 9 that, that Gary read to us, where the, um, the, the, the temple, the, sorry, the tabernacle has been constructed, this tent that can easily be set up when they need to stop and easily dismantled and packed up when they need to be on their way again. And what we read today, what Gary read to us today, is that the traveling and the resting happens at God's prompting. It's when the pillar of smoke stops, then the Israelites stop. And when the pillar of smoke starts to move again, then the people of Israel move again. Sometimes it is for one night that they stop for, sometimes it's for several days, for weeks, for even months. But when the pillar stops, the people stop. When the pillar of smoke moves, the people move. They don't travel and they don't rest unless they are prompted to do this by the the pillar of smoke. So that is my question to us today, or maybe God's question to us today. When we are journeying through the desert of our lives, when we are going through seasons that seem dry and difficult, are we displaying the same level of obedience? There will always be times in our lives when we are going to go through difficult seasons. Financial struggles, overwork to the point of burnout, problems in our relationships, illness and disease bringing our hopes and our plans to to a grinding halt, broken hearts, sometimes feeling like broken people. Psalm 23 tells us that our God is a good shepherd who leads us through all the different landscapes of our lives, sometimes journeying and sometimes resting, being refreshed and being restored. 
When we read Psalm 23, that the shepherd accompanies us through the valley of the shadow of death with his rod and staff to comfort us, we need to remember that being led through something in a way that comforts is as much about encouraging us to stop as it is to encourage us to keep going. Knowing when the appropriate time is to rest and when the appropriate time is to punch through these difficult stages is reliant on the Good Shepherd leading us and us putting our trust in him. Who knows better when we need to rest or when we need to keep going than the Good Shepherd? In this fast-paced world that we live in, rushing from one place to the next, and and in some contexts we find ourselves being busy all the time, in some contexts that's a badge of honor that we wear. Sometimes we we have this this belief that that if I'm busy all the time, that's a good thing. And, and, And when people are not busy, that they're lazy. You might have heard in recent weeks about Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter, and his reported message to the staff of Twitter that they must commit themselves to working long hours at high intensity or or leave the company. And even though there's been loads of criticism aimed at him about this, assuming that it's true, I wonder how many of us place the same expectation on ourselves, that we have to be busy all the time, that we have to work long hours at high intensity. Do we take our rest times seriously? Do we take our opportunities to stop and just rest before we pick ourselves up and continue our journey seriously? In an age where we talk a lot about mental health and, and stress and anxiety, this is an important message for us to hear. That with God, there is a rhythm of work and rest, a rhythm of going and stopping, breathing in and breathing out. When when God creates everything, when he creates the heavens and the earth, he creates a rhythm of day and night, a time of work and a time of rest, a time of going and a time of stopping. Six days of creation, one day of rest translates into this idea of Sabbath, six days of working, one day of resting. When God gives Moses the laws, one of the things that he tells them is is how they should work the land, that there is a rhythm to working the land. Work the land for six years and then let the land lie fallow for a year so it can refresh and restore itself so that it can become fruitful again. God knows the value of work, but God also knows the value of rest. Moses, on behalf of the people of Israel, had asked God to go with them, that they wanted to travel through the desert with him and not without him. And we read what that means here in Numbers 9, whether the clouds stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they set up camp, and at the Lord's command, they set out. That is our message 
for us today. It's a message for the time that we live in. That we keep our eyes on God. When, when we commit ourselves to be followers of Jesus, we follow. So when he goes, we go with him. And when he stops, we don't go on ahead without him, but we stop with him. How easily we can become distracted by other things, by the need to be somewhere else, by the need to do something, by the need to be busy. And we focus so much on that that we shift our eyes away from what God is saying our need is. And sometimes our need is to stop. Our need is to set up camp, to stay for a day, to stay for a week, to stay for a month, however long it is that God is saying, just take a breath. Let's just stop you. And then we'll be ready to move on. And when I know that you're ready, we'll move on. We put a lot of trust in our satnaps of telling us where to go, which roads to turn down, when we need to stop because we've reached our destination. Do we put the same trust in God as he leads us through life, sometimes through an oasis, sometimes through a desert? Do we trust him to tell us when it's time to keep going and when it's time just to stop and just to take a breath and just to allow him to restore us and refresh us for the rest of our journey? Our well-being, our experiences of God are reliant on us being obedient to God, to trust him with the direction that our lives are taking. If we have chosen him to be our God, if we have chosen him to be our father, if we have chosen to be his children, then we must follow his prompting and the guidance of the one who truly knows what is best for us. God will always give us opportunities to stop and rest, but it's up to us to take them seriously. It's up to us to recognize them, and we cannot see them and spot them if we're allowing our eyes to be distracted by everything else that's going on around us, but by keeping our eyes on him, by seeing where he is leading, what he is prompting us to do, then we will know when we need to move and when we need to stop. But it's up to us to recognize them and then to use them. We all know that the desert is not an easy place to be. And often we just wanna get through it. But God says, let's get through it with my leading. If we wanna get through this together, let me be the shepherd that leads you through the dark valleys or the desert places, whatever metaphor you want to use. But we see here that the people of Israel trust him, that they say, okay, God, when you lead us, we'll go. And when you tell us, we'll stop. I'm sure there were times when they wanted to just get up and get going again. But the pillar said, no. The pillar of smoke said, we're staying here. God said, we're staying here. I think that's something we need to hear we need to hear that it's okay, that it's okay to stop. It's okay to rest. It's okay to wait for God to tell us when to move again. Everybody else wants to tell us what to do. We are the children of God. He is not just our savior, he is our Lord. And the Lord, he's my shepherd, he's your shepherd. So let him shepherd you, let him lead you, 
And when he says, it's time to stop and take a rest, you know what? It's okay to do that because he is the good shepherd. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this word today. Sure, as the Israelites left Egypt and suddenly found themselves in a desert, they wanted to get through it as quickly as possible. But God, they chose to go through the desert with you and not without you. Yes, there were times when they were disobedient and wanted to do things their own way. But they would only reach the promised land with you. God, we will only experience your promises and your blessing if we are with you. Help us to have the discipline and the courage and the strength to be willing to stop when you stop and only pick up and go again when you tell us it's time to go. Help us to trust you. Thank you that you love us so much that you want us to experience your blessing and your promise. Thank you that you know what is best for us. Help us, God, to put our trust in you. Amen.